Independent Grounds Cafe is an inclusive coffee shop based in the metro Atlanta area, founded in 2018, that is employed by individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. More than 75% of adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities are unemployed, and many find themselves unable to fully showcase their abilities. Owner Lorna Hyde wanted to break this hurdle and saw the need when her own daughter, Emma, who suffered a traumatic brain injury after contracting meningitis at birth, would eventually face obstacles finding a job in adulthood. Their mission is not only to enjoy a wonderful cup of coffee, but inspire you to think differently about the world of special needs. While the doors are currently closed due to COVID, you can buy coffee beans or merch and give on the virtual tip jar on their website, independentgroundscafe.com. Now for the episode. Welcome to Freewheeling with Carden. This podcast shares stories of people with various disabilities and shines a new light on accessibility topics. Our goal is to knock down barriers so we can roll through life a little easier and build a community to do this together. Please rate and follow this podcast or text Carden at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. We welcome you on your journey towards inclusion for all. And now, your host, Carden Wyckoff, global disability advocate and wheelchair warrior. Welcome to another episode of Free Willin' with Carden. I have Lorna Hyde here joining me virtually, who is the founder and creator of Independent Grounds Coffee, a local coffee shop that's a disability-owned business. Hi, Lorna. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. And happy 4th of July. Hope you had a, a nice weekend. I know it was sure. kind of weird, <laughs> kind of weird with coronavirus. And I know just like the fireworks in general, just there weren't a lot of shows that were put on because I know a lot of people don't generally, I mean, a lot of people go to those events. So they're trying to limit that. Which is but, a good thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, all for good reasons. So tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind Independence Ground Coffee and where it's located and how people can come and get some coffee. So it started sort of as an idea. My oldest daughter, Emma, she's 19 now. She had meningitis when she was two days old. So she suffered a traumatic brain injury, developmental delays, things called apraxia. And so she had sort of a rough start, but we did all the early interventions for her when she was an infant. And then she's been in special education at the schools. And the schools provide a great resource while your child is of school age. But once they graduate from high school, you sort of face what's called the kind of the cliff where if your child has some like has some needs that require you to be more at home, you may end up being at home with your kid for the rest of your life. Or mm. if they have milder needs, it's what do they do? How do you connect them in the community? And mm. how do you figure out what they're what they want to do and what their goals might be? So, you know, part of the role of a parent I've always heard was to, you know, raise up your child to be able to go out and be productive members of society. 
which is the same when you have a special needs child. There's just challenges along the way. And a lot of that has to do with awareness and accessibility and all sorts of things. But um, a friend of mine had mentioned, she also has a daughter with special needs, that they were thinking of getting like a franchise, like a Jimmy John's franchise, Mm. so that their daughter would always have a place to work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a great idea, actually. I'd never thought about that, like having your own career that is also specific to your child's needs. And so I started seeing at the same time other businesses on Facebook that hire specifically hire people with special needs. And there was a a car wash down in Florida. They had a son with autism and just the rote wiping down of cars. Mm -hmm which might seem boring to someone else, their their son actually thrived at. Hmm. And so they hired some of his peers and it ended up being like a thing that people wanted to come to their business because the, they were employing these these kids with special needs who paid, paid a great detail to getting their cars all clean and shiny at the end. So, cool. and that's part of kind of the autism that, that that goes along with autism in a lot of different ways. So then there was a coffee shop in Wellington, North Carolina that I saw that they had two children with Biddy Down and syndrome. Bows, right? Biddy and Bows. Yeah. In Wilmington, North Carolina. And they had they were specifically hiring adults with special needs. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved a good coffee shop. Uh <laughs> spent a lot of time in college, post-college, in various <laughs> coffee shops. So oh. it resonated. Yeah, it definitely resonated. You're like, Jimmy John's or coffee? <laughs> um, and at my daughter's school, their first period class was they ran a coffee shop at the school. Oh, cool. That they made and then delivered the drinks around the school to teachers and, and students. Mm-hmm. So I knew there was already like a connection there. So I started researching how to, how to open a coffee shop. And despite all the many, many, many ways it said, don't do it. It's a horrible (laughs) idea. Not that it's a horrible idea. It's just, it's tougher than people think. There's a lot Mm -hmm. that goes into it and it takes a while, especially as an independent to Mm -hmm. launch and be successful with any small business startup. But, I also just, I don't know, it came at the right time. I went to Biddy and Bo's and sort of watched them for a day and realized oh, nice. that it was it was something that I thought was doable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw, I already knew sibling or peers of my daughter that I thought would be good employees. And so I just kind of went for it. And so we nice. opened a location in Kennesaw, Georgia. And initially hired about 10 or 12 employees, eight or nine of them that had special needs and just tried to to do what we could for them to be able to show what they could do. And mm. it it went it went really well. And it, it was awesome. quite awesome to see as the employees and we had employees with cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, autism spectrum, Mm -hmm. developmental delays, different disorders, that they, once given the opportunity to shine, they just take it off. And they, um, 
it was great to see how the public related to them and how their confidence grew as their as they saw what they could do too. Wow. What a great story. Just uh, starting from this idea, you saw the problem of your own specific daughter seeing her future in front of her and thinking about, you know, what's, what is it going to be like for her 15 years down the road? And it is difficult for especially individuals with special needs to find a job and to have that be long-term. I know it's getting better and better with like workforce development programs. More corporations are becoming uh, more aware of that and are hiring individuals with disabilities for specific programs. And But still, we have a long way to go. So I like how you you turned automatically into problem-solving mode and was like, well, I can either not do anything or do something about it. And you chose to do that and create a great coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. What were some of those um, inspiration points behind Vinny and Bo's that you saw that kind of like made you that turn that idea and to be like, yes, this is, it's really doable. So when I went and just saw how they, they took in the orders mm-hmm. and how they just kind of like the, the process of taking the order, giving the order to another employee and then having a third employee sort of deliver the, mm-hmm. the order. I saw all that as being very doable. Nice. And then there was uh, there was one guy that was working that he he seems like he would just be very good behind the counter like he had been making the drinks for for a while and then he came out from behind the bar and he started going from table to table and was like oh. asking them you know how how was everything you know so a full service yeah and I and I could tell like that was probably something that he had to be coached on for a little while. Mm-hmm. But he, I was just like, dang, that's cool too. Like, mm-hmm. you can. It's that extra level of service. Yeah. When you step outside behind the counter. Yes. And talk to guests and ask how they're doing. So, you know, for for a parent of a special needs child, seeing that level of not, not just being in a back room or not just mm-hmm. rolling silverware or pushing carts around, but like actually interacting with the customers. And that's like yeah. a, a daily part of his job. I was like, yeah, that's something I need to like make sure that we promote as well. Cool. So we ended up doing mostly having our employees that might not have had the ability to to full on make drinks or run the register to be like the deliverer of drinks. Mm-hmm. So once somebody ordered, we would let them know that we'd bring it out to them and then they would go take it to them and make sure that they had a straw or make sure they had a napkin. And that built confidence um, and also gave them a chance to interact with guests, which just kind of furthers the message of of what we're trying to do, which is... Ex- letting people experience something that they might not understand, but once they see it in action, they're like, "Oh mm-hmm. yeah, like this is this is just like normal." Only these sure. people um, have like the best smile and the best attitude, and, and want to talk to you, and aren't just you know 
rolling their eyes and trying to get you out the door. <laughs> right. Sometimes you get at fast food uh, restaurants or in anything in the mm-hmm. service industry right now. So, right. And I think it's it's. Would you say that your business from order to delivery is it faster or slower or generally the same pace? Because I know, especially with coffee, you got some hangry customers that want their coffee at you know six a.m. in the morning. How has their reaction been, knowing that it may or may not be slower? It's been mostly positive. The one, the, the I mean, depending on how complicated the drink is, if mm-hmm. you order a really complicated drink, I think you know that it's going to take a little bit longer than just yeah, um, a black coffee. Yeah, <laughs> black coffee. <laughs> boom, you're going to get it. But if you do like half-calf with three flavors and almond milk, it's it's going to be mm-hmm. a little different. And it took us, you know, sometimes it took us a little bit longer, but I think people knew that and understood mm-hmm. it. Where we had some difficulty, it sometimes was at the register. Mm-hmm. We did everything on a square, but still there was, uh, and usually the cashier had was on the autism spectrum because they would be a little more higher functioning, a little more into math, a little mm. more able to make change. Mm. But sometimes that would be a little bit slower process. And mm. I had some people that got a little bit upset with that, sure. with that process. But once you explain to them, listen, this employee has autism, let me, you know, hurry this along for you or, you know, let me offer you a free drink, then they would get it. Mm-hmm. Some people are just so busy and into their own like world, they don't notice necessarily that there is yeah. something different happening in front of them. So that sure. those were opportunities also to just have the customer slow down and see, mm-hmm. oh, this is this is different. This person isn't mm-hmm. just slow because they're lazy. This is like a actual like process. Mm-hmm. So that helped. Um and if so someone you, wants, okay. you know, in any business, someone wants something very specifically, very quickly, they can always go someplace else. <laughs> sure. So, you know, there's a Starbucks on every other corner or Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> right? Like, if you really want, if you're trying to come in, in and out in less than 30 seconds, like, <laughs> you can go somewhere else. You're coming here for the experience and also knowing that. There is a business out there doing good for the world and employing others that may not necessarily be able to get a job, which is really awesome. So you'd say in general, um, your customers are very receptive to people with disabilities. Do you feel like their minds or perceptions have changed the way they interact with your employees? I think, yeah, I think, you know... My generation, which I'm in my um, 50s, I hate to say that, but, <laughs> um, you know, I I think most everyone knows either someone that has autism or a family mm-hmm. member has autism. Like that has become so prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still not, may not still be around it. They just know like there's an abundance of autism disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, to then see it in practice, I think it becomes less scary and it becomes like, oh, well, this, like, once you see the smile of mm. a kid with Down syndrome that is so happy to bring you a drink and mm. wants to ask you how your day is, like, I think those things are infectious. 
And Mm -hmm. people may not have that experience because they haven't had Mm -hmm. that um, opportunity before, but we're trying to provide that opportunity as just being part of a normal day. And I think those will become more and more, but it's still, there's still just a lot of things, hoops you have to jump through to get job for um, the disabled community. So, Sure. And so you were talking a little bit about, which I thought was interesting. You said someone who's a little bit more high functioning, but has autism, you'd put them on the cash register and then someone else somewhere else. Can you talk a little bit more about that strategy? Yeah. So I let everyone try everything because I didn't oh, okay, nice. be like, you're limited to just wiping tables mm-hmm. or your, you know, we hire them to let them do a lot of things. And so Drew, who you've met, was wanted <laughs> to be a cashier and that's all he wanted to be was just mm-hmm. a cashier. And he's great. <laughs> oh yeah, he's awesome. Super but, talkative and loves yeah. to interact. We'll yeah. talk to, about drinks with you all day long. <laughs> but he did not want to make drinks. He just wanted okay. to, you know. But the longer he worked there, the more he started making drinks. And then mm-hmm. he started, you know, he would remake the coffee when we needed uh, fresh coffee ground and mm-hmm. started brewing. And it got to the point where he was able to open for me. He was my opener. So he would get there, you know, 20 minutes before even I would and get all (laughs) the machines going, get the coffee brewing. And so I just saw that, you know, as he got used to the idea and Mm -hmm. saw, oh, I can do this too. He really sort of took ownership of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was great to see. Um, And, some of the uh, some of the other employees as well. They would try the cash register and realize, you know, that's a little stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot. Sure. Like, that's a lot. Um, so I actually like delivering drinks. Like, so they would be more the drink deliverer person. But that was something that at least we gave them the opportunity to see, so that we weren't just saying, "No, you can't do that." We kind mm-hmm. of let them. Uh, at least have Pick the option of trying it out and yeah. seeing how it went. But people kind of so, naturally go into to roles. Yeah, I was going to say, you kind of just like like what you like. I, I found that when I worked in fast food, you know, they allowed us to try everything. And I was like, I like the window or, you know, <laughs> I don't really like cooking food. It's not my forte. So yeah, I, I really like how you chose that model instead of just saying, okay, you're autistic, so you're probably high-functioning. We'll put you on the cash register. Or, oh, maybe you have low dexterity. Um, maybe we shouldn't be handling drinks. You'll be you know, interacting with guests. I don't know. So, yeah, that's really important. I think that would be good advice for corporations as well because as we continue to build this inclusive world, especially in the hiring, uh, in hiring for corporations, what are some of those other things that you would recommend to businesses what to look for and how to place them. I think like uh, the the stats are like 70% of adults with special needs um, or intellectual and developmental disabilities are either underemployed or unemployed. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is the interview process. Um, Mm -hmm. The stress 
that you or I would go through just to go to a job interview is like a hundred times more for someone with special needs. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be asked direct questions, direct eye contact, being able to focus, having to write things down on an application, all of that is going to be stressful. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to give them a little bit more grace um, in that process. And um, like I realized in working with um, the, it was typically guys on the autism spectrum, like they see things very black and white. So Mm -hmm. if they're scheduled from 10 to two, they're there at 10 and they leave at two. Mm -hmm. Um, They wouldn't necessarily take up cues that, Hey, we're kind of busy right now. So Mm -hmm. maybe I need to stay a little bit longer or, Hey, we're really, really slow right now. Lorna might ask me to leave a little bit earlier. Like both of those scenarios did not go over well the first time I asked. Mm. Um, And I realized that was more my issue that I needed to give them more of a heads up that this might Mm. happen or really think about how I was scheduling them. So if I knew we had a group coming in to schedule them a little bit longer so that Mm. they didn't have to stress about, well, I'm supposed to leave at 2, it's 2.15. Like, yeah. That's what's going on. Um, sure. And so, and if they got up and left it to you, they weren't being rude or being like disrespectful. It was just, you had me on the schedule till two. <laughs> so I'm right. moving. Um, At two. Which, <laughs> not you know, 215, <laughs> 205, two. <laughs> so, you know, for corporations, like if they're doing coding or they're doing, you know, situations where they don't necessarily have to have the personal cues of interacting with people, they still may need cues of, hey, if something goes long, we might need to stay a little bit longer. Mm. Or, hey, it's okay if you head out early if you're done with your work for the day. Just make sure you check in with somebody. They love a procedure, mm. <laughs> but mm. they might they might need some time to like work up to that procedure. Um, but once they get it, it, they got it, um, and are enthusiastic about it. Um, one of the things that I really noticed was just how much they loved being at work and how much they looked forward to it and how meaningful it was for them. Um, with, in companies, I would think would love that, Mm -hmm. um, just to have employees that they don't need to retrain, that they may spend a little bit more time on the front end, getting them and getting them settled and getting them um, trained. But in the long term, they're not going to just up and quit on you two days later. Um, mm. They're going to keep trying um, and keep uh, keep reaching goals that you set for them. So I think that's really important for um, companies to to realize that the front end they may need a job coach there, uh, and it may take a little bit longer. But on the back end, they'll have an employee that'll probably be loyal for life. So, oh, um, cool. you know, if if it's the right fit, right? If it's the right fit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes sometimes it just doesn't work, and that's sure. you know, like with any any employee in any job situation just because someone has special needs does not mean 
that they can't be fired or that it's not the right fit and that they sure. wouldn't be better off doing something else somewhere else. Um, and that's an issue parents also have to be brought in on to understand. Um, they're so happy that their child has a job that they may not see that it's not working. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, uh, but that sometimes if it's not working for the employee or the employer, it's just not a good fit. It's better to just but let them know and get them um, onto another opportunity. So, and how do you approach that conversation for someone, say, who is autistic and sees black and white? What, how does that conversation go down? Have you had um, to do that? Yeah. And, um, some it's you have to be very black and white with them too like mm-hmm. listen this is the job i don't know that this is working out um and here are the reasons why mm-hmm. you know what are your thoughts um and you know this may not be the right place for you but there are other places that and there are other places that might be better um mm-hmm. suited for you um and those aren't easy conversations, but they're, sure. you know, I had a an employee with Down syndrome that he was just very touchy with the mm. with the girls, um, and we talked about it several times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talked to his parents about it um, so that they could kind of coach him at home. It just was not getting any better, um, mm. and so we had to let him go. And um, his parents were prepared for that. And I think it's an issue they, you know, they were hoping that we wouldn't have to deal with at work, but it's something that Mm -hmm. they dealt with previously. So they weren't that surprised. Um, But those are things in a workplace, you know, hugs are okay, but like continuous hugs (laughs) that happen over and over and over again that interfere Mm -hmm. with work, not so Mm -hmm. much. So sure. You know, there's there's still HR standards sure. um, that everyone needs to sort of follow. Um, and so, you know, if we're giving equal opportunity, there's also equal chances um, that what you're doing is not correct and you might need to go elsewhere. So, Do you have an idea generally of what maybe they would be better for just seeing what they can and can't do? And do you recommend any additional places? Is there like a network of disability-owned businesses that you guys talk to each other? There's starting to be more um, businesses like that. Um, there are like job training um, mm-hmm. uh, organizations out there. So yeah, I would like send them to you know here's here's some other resources. Um, and also in getting to know your child, um, you know, they might be better at something that's less social or something mm-hmm. that's more social. Um, I had one employee that had an issue with food and I didn't realize how actually dangerous his issue with food was. Um, like allergy wise or? He had like um, a condition where he could just eat too much. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I thought that we just needed to kind of keep an eye on him 
Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that there was actual like that was more of a temptation for him than what I was aware of. And so I, you know, strongly suggested that he not work in a in business food. that had food. Sure. <laughs> you yeah, know, let's just that. take that <laughs> temptation away from him. Mm-hmm. Um so there's you know, there's there's an employee, um, you met him too, Brian. Mm-hmm. He has autism and he is a talker. And some people <laughs> aren't into that. I yeah. loved Brian. Um, but I also knew that there are times to I would tell him I'm like, Brian, we need to bring it down a little, or Brian, mm-hmm. we need to like like I need I need it to be quiet for a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we got a rush right now, so let's just focus on what we're doing. But mm-hmm. He took he took redirection very well, um, Good. and I think he's a great employee. But he may not be for everyone, um, mm-hmm. just because he likes to talk. Um, yeah. But that there's lots of employees I'm sure like that out there as well. So you just gotta so, find the right mix. Would he be better suited for maybe a, a customer? like out in front of the customers or do you think it's still too much talking? He actually preferred talking um, or being out with the customers. Oh, nice. Um, and for whatever reason, like the the little old ladies <laughs> loved him. Oh, I'm sure. And I think... Because <laughs> they want of, people to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I know he had had jobs in the past where he was just in the back room by himself rolling silverware mm-hmm. and he hated that. So, um, <laughs> you know, that he needs some social, but he also needed a manager that could rein that in when it was not mm-hmm. appropriate. So, um, and that's just, that's just being, you know, managing your employees well. So, yeah. And speaking about management, how do you approach management? And how to, some, it sounds like most of your employees take uh, redirection well, maybe some others don't. What advice would you give? Yeah, like I, um, a lot of mine is just gut instinct. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I think it comes from being a special needs mom mm-hmm. that you know, you can see when the stress is kind of uh, gonna make someone who typically does well not like need a break um and i have learned that being direct and saying hey why don't you um why don't you go white tables right now or why don't we just deliver drinks right now because there's Mm. a there's a line or um why don't we do some <laughs> sticker placement on um, the coffee sleeves? Mm-hmm. Just giving them a moment to sort of regroup um, is often all. So changing need. what they're currently doing to something else. Yep. Okay. And that, I mean, that's sort of like a parent mode too, is, is <laughs> you learn redirection a lot because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. they can get stuck. And if they get stuck on something that's not productive for too long, mm-hmm you get mm-hmm. a tantrum or a freak out and nobody likes those. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, I try to treat people the way I would like to be treated. Um, and I try to treat my employees the way I would want my child to be treated. So, you know, just having 
um, those like moments of grace and understanding, but also, you know, everybody has a bad day. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I'm not perfect every day. Right. Um, and just sort of just trying to move through it and learn from the situations you need to learn from and um, have fun where you can have fun. <laughs> You know, yeah. if it's time to have a little dance party, <laughs> have a little dance party. Yeah. Um, those fun. things can um, brighten everybody's day. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, I love that. I think, yeah, I mean, cheering up anyone's mood, dance party is the way to do it. Put on some music <laughs> and celebrate also, if it's, especially if it's a high rush hour, you can, you know, have a dance party. Maybe not everyone wants to do that, but, um, just other ways to instill encouragement and celebration. Um, so talking more specifically about your brick and mortar building, that idea, how long did it take to go from the idea to an actual shop that you had running? It took probably nine months. That was fast. Which, which yeah, I think that is fast. Um, I, before... I did anything I did. I created my LLC and sort of did the things that you need to do to have a corporation um, set up. So it's ready once you have the brick and mortar. Um, And then I had a location in mind and it was available, Um, but still negotiating a lease and then having to figure out the things that the health department requires. and then getting all the plumbing and the electrical, like all of those things take 10 times longer than you think that they should take um, and are way more expensive than you think <laughs> that they should be. Um, so I think I signed the lease in November, but we didn't take possession until like February and then um, kind of opened the doors for a soft open in March. And um did our grand opening in April. So um, it's just, I'm, I don't know when I see something in my head, I just want to do it. And so I just work towards that goal of getting it open. Um, It's good to have that drive. Where did the name come from? Independent grounds coffee. um, So I wanted some sort of like coffee play. I mean, there's so many um, Java cafe, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and, but I also, I wanted to also have a play of the independence and in that we were an independent coffee shop. So we weren't Starbucks or Dunkin'. And um, it, the independence that it represented for my employees, that this is a chance for them to gain some independence. Um, and so that just, um, that just kind of came together. And then I did like a... Uh, trademark search and uh, you know I searched for website names and independent grounds um, was not used out there so I grabbed the um, grabbed the the website and um, you know started working on getting a logo and all of that so and what makes your coffee special other than all the love that you pour into it with all your individuals that help make it so I, I knew i wanted a local roaster um 
I, there was a lot of, uh, like, there's a lot of national um, brands of coffee that do sort of terrible work, but I really kind of wanted everything to be like sustaining something local because um, I wanted people to sustain us locally. So um, found, and coffee is very like, it's like precious mm. on some <laughs> level. It's like wine to a lot of people. There's <laughs> taste oh, yeah. and tamper and like temperature. and um, mm. But I found um, a guy, Rev Coffee down in Smyrna, Georgia, who was willing to explain all that to me and let me taste it and let me mm. like kind of experiment with it and explain the process and um, was so enthusiastic about helping us that um, it, it just seemed a natural fit. So nice. we had coffee that was beans that were roasted weekly um, ground fresh for every batch um, and nice. espresso beans that uh, were the same that were roasted and weekly and fresh. And um, we really cared that the drink was as special as the experience. Nice. And so I know you guys found, you had a few locations, right? Or you moved locations. So we moved locations to Roswell. And then um, when Corona hit, we, Mm -hmm. we shut down for the corona um because initially that the back in march when everything was kind of came to a screeching halt um and everyone was sheltering at home um with a purpose (laughs) to stay home um we shut down and my intention was to um to be closed until it was feasible to be open again or until schools went back in session. Mm. Um, We've since the church has decided to go in another direction. We were um, partnership with the Roswell United Methodist Church. So we've lost that location. Um, Mm. And so I'm now in the process of looking for a new location. Um, Okay. Which is hard in the middle of this Corona crisis that we're in. Um, Opening a business when so many are closing is seems counterintuitive, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of the unknowns are still unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm being cautious about it, but I know it's something that I want to either have open in the fall or the winter um, because yes. I think it's it's important enough and needed enough that um, even if we have to kind of make things a little bit different than a place you come in and sit for hours at a time. It's still a business that um, I think people need and my employees definitely need. So mm-hmm. we're working on that. <laughs> and what was it like to, obviously you had to let the the team know that you were closing the doors, shutting down the business did they take that lightly? Did they understand? Um, and what, what was still, that like? Nobody, nobody takes it so uh, to good. Yeah. Um, but because because of everything that was going on at the time, I think it made it a little bit easier that so many things had closed down. Mm-hmm. Um, I still 
you know, get text messages from Drew or Brian saying, Hey, when, when are we going to back? Um, <laughs> and you know, I, that whole unknown I know is hard for, for everyone. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge for any small business right now, but especially um, when you have employees that, that love their job so much and it's not to them so much about making money as it is about having that identity. Mm -hmm. It can be. um, Of knowing that they're worth something and that someone wants them to show up and help out. It's like being a part of something. Yeah. So... But uh, a lot of people with special needs have underlying health conditions. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have elderly parents or older parents. That are helping. So, you know, especially in the beginning, I didn't want anyone to come in contact or create, you yeah. know, illness in any one of our customers or employees or their families. So it was the right thing to do at the time. It's just frustrating how long it's taken to figure out a way to to get back to normal. But uh, yeah. everybody's still kind of figuring that out too. So we're Do not want to stay in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. Come to um, the city. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is I think a lot of especially, you know, city-based businesses, the rent is so mm-hmm. exorbitant that yeah. even with carry out or delivery or, you know, limited table settings, it's still, it's a lot to be able Mm -hmm. to do as a business. So we're, we're still figuring (laughs) that out. Thinking about it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Have you guys thought of any additional models to continue service or, you know, like either to go only or delivery or I don't know, like a little pop-up stand. I don't know, just anything or yeah, we, we did like in the beginning, we still have an online store. So we still have merchandise. We can still sell coffee beans, mugs, t-shirts, all of that. That has helped us. Um, we have like a virtual tip jar on our website oh, cool. to kind of help out. And we're, you know, I try to, to post on social media just to, so people remember us and that, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're still around and, and hope to be back in the future. So we're, we're doing the things that I think every other business is trying to do, which is mm-hmm. maintain a customer base when you don't actually have a customer at the moment. But right. knowing that once we do and once people are able, I think we'll get that, we'll get people to come back who have definitely mm-hmm. us. So, you yeah. know, we're just, we're working, we're working on that. Yeah. And thinking about just the business model in general, have other businesses come to you to ask how you're hiring or how you're being more of an inclusive business? Maybe in the coffee industry, maybe just in general. So I've spoken to like autistic parent group. I was on a panel discussion for the League of Women Voters. Like any opportunity I had to go out and sort of talk about what we did was always appreciated by the people that heard this, heard what we were trying to do. Parents with adult children with special needs are, are constantly trying to figure out ways to either employ their kids or give their kids' lives some meaning. 
And so, yeah, I had a bunch of parents reach out to me and say, how did you do this? Oh, nice. How much did it cost? Like, how did, how did you go about doing this? Um, and so I try to to reach back out and, and give advice where advice can be given. I had a woman come out, actually meet me. She flew in from Boise, Idaho. And after talking with me for an hour, she decided that a coffee shop was not uh, probably what she wanted to do. But she ended up partnering with a local business and is doing a candy um, business. But So she's oh, in a business... She, they have their own section. She hires um, special needs employees and they're doing really well. And I think in talking with me, she realized maybe I don't need to go into this full on all by myself, but maybe partnering and starting small like makes more sense. Cool. And so I encourage parents who are looking like, what is your kid interested in? Like what, what makes them like excited? Because they, if you're going to jump into an actual business, you need something that they're going to buy into right. and that you can buy into that you're both not going to be frustrated with <laughs> a year down the line. So sure. I think there's tons of different ways you can go about it. It's just continuing to think outside the box and ways that you can partner and ways that you can promote just the abilities that everybody has. Yeah. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to share about independent grounds? You want to give your plugs? Anything else? So we are we have independentgroundscafe.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> we yeah. uh all under the independentgroundscafe.com or independent grounds cafe. We hope to be back in the fall and or always looking for ways to share or promote or assist. And if there's people that would love to, you know, feel free to contact us. If there's something that you think we can do for you, we would love to do pop-ups or festivals. I know festivals aren't really happening right now, but <laughs> any way that we could help promote or support is we're open to that. So I that's good. Giving us the time to, to come on and have You're us welcome. Thank you. Be a part of your your podcast. It's really great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lorna. I really appreciate your time and thank you for being um, an incredible person and also just continuing to break down barriers for people with disabilities in uh, works and, and job related industry, which is awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, friends, for listening. Please rate and follow this podcast or text Carden at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. Tune in next week for another disability topic.